Joy is an interesting concept. The definition, you know what it is, it's a state of happiness. This one said a state of happiness or felicity. And that means intense happiness. It's a source or cause of delight. It's to experience great pleasure and delight. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So this morning, if we went around and talked about joy, some of you would say to me, John, it's, a, it's more of a deep-seated foundation that I find my life on. Some of you would say it's just kind of something that I experience when I'm in a good mood. Some of you would say, hey, there's no way I experience joy when I'm in a bad mood. But it just kind of, it kind of has a different meaning for all of us. Psalm 35 has an interesting, Psalm 30 verse 5, has an interesting concept about joy. And it starts, it says to, to us, there's weeping throughout the night. And if you think about it, some of us today are going through that period of weeping throughout the night. There are things that are going on in your life, in your family's lives, in, at work, in your neighborhood, people that are close to you, and there are some difficult things that they're facing. And so this weeping goes on. And if the Bible left us there and just said, hey, it's just weeping and we're going to stay there, what a difficult way to live. But the second part of that verse says, but joy comes in the morning. And as we look at this passage this morning, I want you to know that, that kind of what I've been praying for you as a congregation about this week in, pre- in preparation of this message is this, that if you're experiencing the difficulties of something you thought would never happen to you, a situation you thought you would never face, something you would never hear yourself say, this is what's going on in my life, I want you to catch that second phrase of Psalm 30 verse 5, which says, joy comes in the morning. Because I think what happens to us is, even as we enter into the Christmas season, we, we build into our lives all these things that, that take, it, take us down. They, they, they cause us to be discouraged, and there's never a moment in our lives when we can rejoice. I love the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians 4, 4 and 5, and this is out of the New Living Testament. It says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Remember with me that Paul wrote those words while he was in a cold, damp jail cell. I don't know about you, but if I'm, I've got my leg shackled and I've got my arm shackled, my other arm, so I can write a little bit, I'm not going to be talking about rejoicing. I'm going to be telling you, if anybody's calling me on the phone, which they didn't have in those days, I'd be saying, this really is terrible. The, the vernacular of this world is, this sucks. I'm sitting here in this jail, I'm, I'm cold. My goal in life, Paul would tell you, was to preach in Rome. I'm on my way to Rome, I can't wait, the Lord's changed my life. You remember with me the, how he, he changed his life through a blinding light on the road to Damascus. Everything that Paul stood for, everything that he talked about, everything he built his life around as a debater, as a, as a brilliant man, was changed suddenly. And now he says to you and me, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. So joy is an incredibly important aspect of how you and I can live. And yet it's something that, that we don't always experience. We don't always uh, uh, figure it out. Here's God in His infinite wisdom, and He's got to be able to tell the world what it means to be joyful. So He's sitting there up in heaven, and He's thinking, and He's going, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a sign to be able to, to, so that people will understand. Now, I found some signs. You're going to see them right here. These are road signs, different places, just for some fun. Welcome to Idaho. Now, I happen to know that, that some of you are uh, going to school in Idaho, and I just thought that was funny. There's no attractions there. Here, let, let me show you the next one. Uh, Cheryl's, eat here and get gas. I don't know exactly what that means, but here we go. Let's go to the next one. Welcome to Minnesota, the sunshine state. Isn't, isn't that a great one? Okay, another one. Rest area. That, that might be in Montana. I don't know. That, that could be a, a... Let's go to another one we found. I really like this one. This is that, that person who didn't pass spelling. 
in their, their class. So it's not shul. Anyway, here we go. One more. I got a kick out of this one. I actually saw this one. I wrote on the bottom, might need to get a bus. I don't think they're all going to fit in that little SUV. But uh, signs. We notice signs. We read signs. We're all about signs. And here's God. And he says, okay, here's what I want to do to the world. I'm going to send you a sign. And I'm going to send you this sign probably in a way that you never, ever thought would happen. And so as we look at it, we, we go through uh, uh, kind of in our minds, what do you think God's going to tell us? Well, as we draw closer to Christmas, we see that God explains to us our need for the supernatural, for angels. Angels are a big part of Christmas. You and I know all about angels. In fact, you could probably tell me more this morning about the, the Christmas story and angels and all the way they fit. But I want to look at three things today with you that come straight from God's Word. Because as a church, Mountain View believes in God's Word. We believe that, that what it says we need to live by. So the first one is the message. And you're going to see that through the supernatural, through angels, through the incarnation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We also want to look at the master because we just sang a song that God's with us. And, and it's, it, I, want to, I want you to see how important it is to understand the message and the master because the third point this morning, and you'll see it on the back of your bulletins, is the means. We're the means. He's asking you and me to be the people that take this message to a world that needs to understand what joy is. One of my favorite verses that those two great teens just read for us. I love them both, okay? Jordan and Jeffrey are awesome. Uh, I, I just love that they did that. That's cool. Luke 2.10 says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. If you and I received a message from an angel, I think the first thing we would probably do is we need to hear them say, Hey, do not be afraid. Calm down. Because if you're familiar, and I've talked about this before, angels were brilliant, and they had messages that were uh, a lot of times very serious. And so when an angel appeared to you, it would probably be very frightening. We're working through a booklet during the Advent, and if you didn't get one, please pick one up on the eye table. I think there's a few more out there. And what it does is it helps you prepare. There are daily scripture readings, and you can use those to kind of focus your mind. One of the things that happens in our society today, I'm going to tell you something you've never thought about. We get so busy... And we get so caught up in what we're doing, and so we pay so much attention to our worlds that we forget to allow the Lord to prepare our minds for this season of joy. And, and some of you have a very legitimate reason. There are things going on in your lives right now that, that are amazing. But I want you to hear me say this morning that, that there's this great message for all of us. For unto you a Savior is born in the city of Bethlehem, of Judea. He will save his people from their sin. Joy to me is a deep-seated thing. It's, it's a way of living. It's something, it's a state of happiness, but to me it's longer-lasting. And so my, my goal and my opportunity in life, and I want to share that same thing with you because you can experience the same things, is to experience this joy in the midst of whatever you're facing. If it's doubt, if it's discouragement, if it's depression, if it's defeat, if it's anxiety and worry, if it's something you never thought would happen to you, his joy gives you and I the ability to experience life the way he wants us to because he will save us from our sins. First area of the message. Real quickly, I want to zip through it because you're aware of it. Luke 1, 26 to 28, this is the supernatural, the incarnation, and this is Mary. In the sixth month, you see behind me, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
As I'm here this morning, I'm reminded of my 92-year-old mother who says to me, John, don't speak so fast. I'll slow down just a little bit. We first see an angel named Gabriel appearing to Mary, who most people would call a normal young woman. As I look over our congregation this morning, you're aware with me that the marrying age for Mary, Mary the marrying, 12 to 14 years old. We got some 12 to 14-year-olds here today. Parents, we okay if they want to get married? No, the guy in first service just shook his head, no way. But in those days, that's when the age to, to be married, and Joseph was a little bit older, a few years older, and so it, it came to be this time where an important celebration, weddings are a blast, marriages are fun, right? You're supposed to say yes, John, marriages are fun. And as you see that, you begin to realize that, that here's Mary who all of a sudden, here's this, uh, this proclamation. Let's look at Luke 1, 29 to 31. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, he goes on to say, Luke says this, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. I don't know, if did I read you the first part of that one already? Of, of, uh, yep, you saw it. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. See, wherever Jeffrey is, I'm not a good public speaker either. Here we go. And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are given the name Jesus. The start of a great plan, this idea that this holy God, who was the God of the universe, came up with, and you, we know it because we're celebrating it was, in the form of a baby. The word used is incarnation. Here's the meaning. The Zondervan Bible Dictionary says this, the doctrine doctrine of the incarnation teaches us that the eternal Son of God became human and that He did so without in any manner or degree diminishing His divine nature. Let me read that again. The doctrine of the incarnation teaches that the eternal Son of God became human and that He did so without in any manner or degree diminishing His divine nature nature. So if he's God, and if he's man, he's got to be able to have the ability to do both. Otherwise, we are worshiping, and we are setting up a whole way of living that's based on false teaching. The second part of the message, the good news of great joy, comes through Joseph. You see it in three slides. This is uh, Matthew 1, verses 20 to 25. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this, verse 22, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Lots to unpack there, but let's just focus for a minute on the message. God's plan revealed through an angel turned Joseph's world upside down. Joseph was one that could, take, could have taken Psalm 35 and said, Weeping comes throughout the night because he just realized his whole plan for marriage to remain pure and to, marry, to have Mary be his wife who was a virgin, when, when it came time to be they would have a child, realized that he was marrying a lady who was pregnant already. I think of that last phrase, but joy comes in the morning. Let me just stop here for a minute and, and tell you the promise that joy comes in the morning may be very real for you today because of where you are. And knowing that, that the Holy Spirit has impressed us today to focus on this word will give you the ability to say, I, I'm willing to see the weeping through the night, but to know that joy comes through the morning. What are you dealing with this morning that needs joy? There's a third part of the message. The shepherds, and again, 
He read it for us. You see it on the screen behind you. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And jumping, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And then verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. God's message from the supernatural starts right out by calming people down. Again, God chooses ordinary people to deliver his message. I don't have to go much farther than look at me, and and I'm just an ordinary guy. And God's asked me to, to, to share that message of love and hope and joy with a world that he brings me into every day of my life. People who are struggling, who are wondering how to make meaning and purpose happen in their lives. And he says to me, John, good news of great joy which will be for all the people. That's me. I'm one of those people. And that's what he's sharing with us today in the concept with the idea of joy. There's a second thing that I want to talk about this morning. We talked about the message. It's the master. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. John 10.38 says this, um, and we have it on the screen. He says, but if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. If you are a scholar, which I'd like to believe almost everybody here is a scholar, then you would realize that that statement is so dramatic to a world that is trying to find meaning and purpose when Jesus himself says, I and the Father are one. He's in me. That's, that's amazing. That's like hypocrisy. That's blasphemy. That's all the things mixed into one. And the people who understood and studied were upset by that claim that Jesus made because they're saying, wait a minute, he just said he's God. And it's important for us to realize that. The second part of this design that focuses on the master of Emmanuel is God with us. But before we get there, we see that he's human. John 1.14, the word became flesh, you see it behind me, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember the definition of incarnation. J.I. Packer, great writer, great scholar, writes in uh, the book that I've been reading by Timothy Keller, he says this about the Incarnation. God became man, the divine Son became a Jew. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this as is this truth of the incarnation. He took his design and sent to us in the form of a baby. Hebrews 2, verses 17 and 18, kind of builds on this for a minute, as far as he's human. He says this, and you can just listen. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Incredible that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy God would send his only son in human form to save us from our sins. Why do we share this morning? Why do we proclaim this? Why do we talk about joy? Why do we seemingly take a topic that everybody knows about? Because sometimes we forget the foundation and the blessing and the impact that joy can have on our lives, especially when some of us who have experienced things that we never thought we were going to experience are in the middle of things and we're wallowing in our misery and he's saying joy comes in the morning. He's God, he's human, he's with us is the third part of this. Mark 3.14 says this, he appointed 12 designating them apostles. 
that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. He was with them. 1 John 1, 1 1-4, again, just listen, you can follow along if you've got your Bibles, beginning with the first verse. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Are you catching that today? If you haven't heard me say it yet, one of the things God wants to do for you and me is to make our joy complete. Is to give us the ability to experience that joy. And some of us have just lost that. We've either pulled ourselves away from everybody, we've isolated ourselves, we've lost that chance, but He wants us to know that He loves you and He loves me. Which brings us to the third one this morning, the means. Centering around the word courage. The first one that I want you to think about is we need to take courage to take the world's scorn. Matthew 5.11 Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So you're saying to me this morning, John, that I need to take courage embracing God's design and the first thing that's going to happen to me is I'll start taking scorn from the world. I wrote some things here. Are you even in a position today? That anyone knows you follow Christ? Or have you manipulated your relationship with Jesus to a point where it always works for you and makes you comfortable so you never really have to say much outside of where you live? Or have you flat out said, no way? Taking the world's scorn is not always enjoyable. But realizing God's design was so completely different than the world's puts us in a different place. I want to challenge you this morning to be in a position to take the world's scorn. Working as a youth pastor for a number of years, we always made a a t-shirt for camp. And in the early days, we always took the slogans that were popular. So we would use a Diet Pepsi slogan, or we would use something else. and We would put the words Jesus in there, and we'd wear these on our, our, we'd have shirts, and I'd send, you know, 300 high schoolers out the door wearing those shirts. And I got so many letters in those days. We didn't have email, we didn't have computers. Can you believe that? We didn't even have computers, but uh, people would write me a letter by mail, snail mail, and they'd say, John, can't believe what happened. I was wearing this shirt and somebody asked me what it meant. I was able to tell them because I love Jesus. And that encouraged me because that was taking the world's scorn. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life I don't want to take the world's scorn. I want to position myself to just be comfortable and easy and not ruffle, not, not make the waters bubble at all, not, make, not ruffle any feathers, just kind of slide. We're coming up to family time at Christmas. We've said this before, you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion with your families. It just blows up. And yet, we are reminded this morning that one of the things that he wants to do through us during this time of year is that joy needs to be so evident that we will take the world's scorn. The second area that we need courage in this morning is this, to deny yourself. Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and daily follow me. Take courage to deny yourself is a tough choice. Every step of the way we need to make the decision to deny ourselves, as Luke 9.23 says. And to take up our cross and follow Christ, you have to deny yourself. There are so many areas we can go this morning in the area of denying ourselves. 
the things that I think are right, the things that I think are, are what I'm supposed to be doing. And he just simply says, take courage to deny yourself. Let me get to the third one, and then we'll, we'll kind of come back on it. The third one is to admit you're a sinner. Take courage, have courage to admit you're a sinner. For all of sin, Romans 3.23 says, and fall short of the glory of God. If you can deny your pride and accept this truth that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, being courageous enough to admit it allows Christ to become a part of your life. You may be here this morning and you've never admitted that you're a sinner because you might be too proud. Many are content to wallow in their sin. Many are actually used to living in sin, so when they know they live in sin, even when they know there's something better, even when you know there's a decision that you can make, whether it's taking the world's scorn, denying yourself, or admitting you're a sinner, knowing that it will be good for you, you're afraid to do it. Many refuse to, listen, to let someone else control them because they think they are living the dream. Many are lost in their, their sin and they avoid change. And then this last one I wrote down, many have brought into a false, many have brought into a false way to live, letting, they've bought into it, letting sin drive them. We need to take courage. This morning, as you think about what God is telling us through the message and through the master, realize that he's asking you and me to be the means. We need to be a part of it. And I'm speaking to some of you who know good and well. You could be right here. You could be speaking behind this pulpit and share the same thoughts. But what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do today is to challenge you and to challenge me specifically to think about this area of courage. We live in a society. We live in a world. We live in a day when taking courage to take a stand for God puts us in completely in a different category. Even those who speak with a Christmas jacket on in a different category than that. By the way, I'm just glad Karina dressed up the way she did. That gave me the freedom to wear this jacket today. You were awesome. And I sat behind her. I couldn't see the words to the the hymns, so I had to move. Take courage. What do you do with your sin? What do you do with your sin today? And sin comes in a lot of ways. Sin comes in the form of pride. Sin sin comes in the form of gossip. Sin, Sin comes in the form of of pulling yourself outside of the will of God and doing things that you know are wrong. Sin comes from lying, lying to yourself and lying to other people. And there's all these areas of sin. 1 John 1, 9, very good verse, and you know it very well. Memorize this one. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he just said to us that Proverbs or Psalms 35 says, weeping throughout the night, that's sometimes the sin that so easily doth control us. He will cleanse us from unrighteousness so that joy comes in the morning. And as you see that, you have the ability to know that he, uh, he loves you and I so much that he wants to take the sin from our lives. I don't know how, else, how much more clear to make it, but I will tell you this. The Lord specifically is talking about two things this morning in this message, and I'll share them now. The first one is this. Some of you are struggling in this area of sin and you need courage. And this morning, December 15th, 2019, you have that chance to say, you know what, I'm going to take courage. And I'm going to look at myself, and I'm, going to, I'm, I'm not afraid of the scorn of what I believe in. And, man, I see some teens here that, that you live in a world and in schools and in an environment that challenge you to, to kind of be quiet for what you believe. Grade schoolers, the same way. He gives us the courage to, to stand up to that in a very positive way. The second thing that he gives us is courage to deny ourselves. And that means to me, I I told first service, you know, you you think about watching your weight and you think about eating well. And I've heard so many theories. One of the ones is, when are you the hungriest? Gosh, about nine o'clock at night. 
you just want to eat, don't you? It's just, it's like, and, and that's one way to deny yourself. And I'm just throwing this out for a simple illustration. And I remember one of my children told me, Dad, the best thing to do is never eat after seven. And some of you are so disciplined today, you're sitting here going, seven? I don't eat anything after six. I can't believe you would. Not me, man. I get hungry. Something just sounds good. So to deny myself, I can just look at the cupboard, open it, and close it and say, you know, I don't need to. There are a lot more important things that he asks us to deny ourselves from. In the sense of, there are things that we know are wrong in our lives, and he's asking us to deny.